Hi, and welcome to the 37th episode of Basha's Thoughts. Lately, I haven't done a, an episode in a while, and that is because I've been having so many different thoughts that I didn't even know where to start or what to talk about. But I would like to talk a little bit about how we are affected by the historical setting in which we are living And I wanted to take a look at two key ideas, two intuitive ideas that I feel so strongly about and trying to see where they actually come from. So earlier we have talked about how trauma affects us, how our developmental traumas can influence our way of being in so profound ways that Sometimes what we believe to be our personality and something that has to do with me in particular is actually just a defense mechanism that is being reenacted and it's acting over and over based on a past trauma. And the more we learn about these the more we can start to liberate ourselves from those ideas and no longer identify with these personality traits. And then we may often have the opportunity, after a while, to be actually able to choose differently in some situations. So these are personal traumas. But then we have the historical setting How are we and how is our thought being affected by what is going on around us in society? It can be easy to think that, well, these are new times. The world has never looked like it does today, so history might not be able to teach us much. And yet, it kind of does. And so this is what I've been kind of looking into these past weeks And it's so interesting. So the two core ideas that I thought about, just to mention two, are number one, the idea of knowing who you are. Now, if you've been listening to my podcasts, you will notice that this is something that comes up over and over again. The idea that If you can really understand and see and realize who you truly are, then you will be liberating yourself from a lot of suffering. And you will be able to live in a way that is more aligned with what you feel is actually good for you and for others. Creating more win-win situations being happier. But this is only one key. So knowing who you are and the other one for me has to do with moving beyond fear and finding ways of uniting or finding unity, finding love, you could say. So this is not just in a knowing kind of way where you think about logical and rational thinking and reason, where you perhaps 
try to understand another person and find what you have in common and how you can unite in that way, how you can make sense, but also on other levels, such as the level of actually feeling and emotions so that you can empathize, so that you can put yourself in their shoes, so you can look at the world through their eyes and and so on. But this leads me to a more heart-centered way of living as opposed to an ego-centered way of living. So these have been two key concepts that I have intuitively felt. And so I was curious, why do I feel them? Who put them in my mind? (laughs) And so I started looking back. Now, from the Vedas, we know that there are some scriptures that it is said that if you read them, you can become enlightened, awakened, and you can transcend everything. But these scriptures do not always work. So these scriptures are about who you are, and they tell you who you are. And if you can understand it and fully realize it, you will be forever transformed. But why doesn't it always work? What is the problem? Well, the problem is the hijacking. The problem is that sometimes we can have parasitic types of programs running inside of our mind and body, and they can hijack our thinking and our transformational ability. They can take the energy. This is why they are like a parasite who takes your energy away from you, your transformational energy, which you could have used to become awakened. And now it is used to run those programs. So looking back at ancient Athens, Greece, at the time where democracy came to become a way of of governing in Athens, At that time, it was interesting to find a particular type of split between the natural philosophers and the sophists. So the natural philosophers, they were focused on truth. Thales was one of them. And so he kind of started doing things that were different from what had been done previously. So it wasn't symbolic language. It wasn't this Christian type of uh, narrative. It was kind of like science. And it was kind of like a way of looking for the truth. So these natural philosophers started focusing on what is. It's a kind of ontological way of looking at the world. And that could be related to a scientific worldview. Of course, today our science is no longer really based on ontology. We have, with the quantum theory, we have moved past that. But that was kind of the beginning of a scientific worldview where you focus on truth and then you leave out the transformation. So you might know what is true, but you don't know how to be wise about it, 
How do you become a wise person who knows how to use this truth? Now that, they separated away. That was no longer part of it. And it was taken up by the sophists. And the sophists became skilled at teaching rhetoric, which is a technology for your psyche, where you learn how to hijack your mind. So you learn how to focus in on something that you're interested in, in particular, and make it very important in your mind. Something that might not actually be relevant and important if you look at the bigger picture of what is going on, but you just focus on that little detail, and then you talk about it, and then you make it more relevant. And as it becomes more relevant, then you focus more on it and you make it even more relevant. So you start creating this internal loops that after a while start going on in another person's mind. Now we use this in advertising, for instance, where you have maybe just a particular detail that might not even be true, which is often the case. And yet, this is what we focus on and what ends up sucking our energy and maybe leading to a transformation. And that transformation might be to buy something. For instance, there might be a car, a particular car that if you look at the advertising, you will feel like, You know, if I had that car, I would be a real man, whatever that is. And so you create that inside of you. And there might be a sense of freedom and being your own person and being independent. And, and then you keep growing that sensation inside of you. And this might not actually be something that is good for you at all. Now, perhaps if you were to buy this car, it would actually cost you a lot of money and that would mean that you might not be able to do a lot of other really important things. Maybe your family doesn't even fit into the car. Maybe you will never actually be able to use the car to its fullest potential and so on. So it might not be good for you to buy the car. And yet there is this one particular thing I will feel like a real man if I have it. And that might hijack you and you might actually buy the car. So these are programs that work in us because we are on the physical and uh, cognitive level. We are complex adaptive systems. And when we start cre to create other complex adaptive systems within our complex adaptive systems, then they start running themselves and they know how to adapt. So even when things change around them, they might still reproduce themselves and run and run and run and take more and more of your energy. So these were the sophists in the times of ancient Greece that became very important because with democracy it becomes important to be able to argue, when, especially when you have direct democracy and you have to kind of make sure everyone agrees with you. So this is a technology that 
we are still using today. But now our technologies are so much more potent, so much stronger that we can see the effects of them much quicker. We can see, for instance, the polarization that media and social media has on our minds. But going back to history, so the split between the natural philosophers who focused on the truth, in a sense, and yet they did not look at transformation, and then the sophists who look at transformation but not at truth, that particular split has become very salient in our times and is causing a lot of problems for us because our technologies are so much more potent than they were before. And we can do things physically and on psychological levels as well. Today that were not possible at those times. Now, Socrates was against this. He didn't like that split. And I thought this is so interesting because in the previous episode I talked about uncertainty and how uncertainty can help you because if you become relaxed, if you become, if you befriend uncertainty, if you can live with uncertainty, but not by identifying as that, because that is also a problem, but actually be okay with uncertainty, then that is a way of removing the mask of the ego, which comes with its many different problems and many different parasitic types of programming that will be usurping our energy. So uncertainty is really nice. And it's very interesting because as you want to learn more about what is going on, uh, which is important because if you want to create a system where you and everyone else wins, you have to understand what the basis of that is. And so you want to create a system where knowledge works well and information processing is done in a positive way for you so that you're not being fooled at every step. So as you learn more, you notice that for everything that you learn, there's at least a couple of other things that you will realize that you don't know. So what you don't know will actually grow quicker than what you know as you're learning more and knowing more. And this is normal. And this is something that you have to be familiar with and comfortable with. Now, in our system, we want to know and our ego creates this defense mechanism where we feel that we know, we know a lot. And so we never have to feel like we don't know. We just have to fight for what we know so that we can stay within the ego. But then, of course, we are fooled in so many different ways and we are not using the best way possible in terms of information processing for knowledge purposes and sense-making. So uncertainty is relevant and important to be able to live with. And this is what Socrates was creating with his questions. He was leading the person to realize that they actually 
don't really know anything. And he was using this as a technique. And so he was against this split between the truth and relevance. And then you, of course, had his student, Plato, who had his prisoners in the cave who were all hijacked by the sophistic types of ideas of rhetoric and other things, other programs that made them sit still in the cave and believe that what they were thinking about and feeling was actually the real world. And of course, you have the myth of the cave and the one prisoner who actually gets out and is able to go all the way out to see the sunlight. And this is the process of ascension that he may have gotten from Pythagoras. And illumination and realizing who you are, awakening. But then, of course, when you come back to the cave, nobody else really understands you, knows what you're talking about, and so they might even kill you, like they did with his teacher, Socrates. Now, after these times, and after Aristotle, you had Hellenistic turmoil, where a lot of movement took place and people were displaced. Now, the sense of identity became challenged because you were confronted with different types of cultures, you had different languages, you have different religions, and you had to live with that. Maybe you yourself would be moved to another place. And this creates a lot of anxiety. And so the philosophers, after that, started to become therapists. Now you had the Stoics, for instance, who all of a sudden had this therapeutic new task. How do you deal with anxiety? How do you deal with fear? So anxiety is a type of fear of the unknown. You don't know exactly what it is you're afraid of. And you don't know exactly what you're supposed to do, but you're kind of feeling afraid. So this is fear. And for me, this is very interesting because this is the type of time that we are historically in right now. But now it's even stronger, you could say. Because now we have a lot of fugitives around the world and we are being confronted by that. And we also have globalization where we, again, are confronted with different cultures, different languages, different religions, and we move around a lot more. So it is only normal that in these times of anxiety, the ancient therapists should arise again. And so you do have a lot of people who start to really enjoy the Stoics because they find that they were addressing things that are very relevant to people today because they were addressing a sense of identity. How do you keep your identity in the face of change? And the Stoics were looking a lot at the separation between meaning and an event 
and learning to see what it is that you can actually control and what it is that you cannot control and developing different methods for how to have a better life in times of turmoil. So this shows me that this idea of fear and anxiety and my inner idea of moving towards a heart-centered view and unity has to do with what is going on. Another time when there was a lot of turmoil, this was when the Roman Empire was falling, we had Saint Augustinus and he was really interesting because he was reading Plotinus, which to me is someone who has a lot of the ancient Vedic knowledge. To me, Plotinus is the one who brings it all together better than anyone else that I have been able to find in the West. And so Augustinus was reading Plotinus and apparently he had an awakening, a type of spiritual awakening. And he really enjoyed that. However, he was not able to keep that. So he got the insight, but then his mind drew him away into the parasitic programming of the ego. And he realized this. He was a sex addict. So this was drawing him away. But now that he had seen this higher truth and this greater awakening, he really wanted to get back to it. And so he happened to read Paul from the Bible. And Paul had been um, persecuting Jesus and had been one of his strongest persecutors and then became his disciple. So he went through this transformation. And perhaps this was what resonated with Augustinus. And so he, too, learned how to transform. And the transformation for him was through love. This was the key message regarding transformation. How can you achieve this amazing rebirth, transformation? It comes through love and a heart-centered way of being. And so uh, it's so interesting that, again, time of turmoil and we see this type of transformation, the realization that you have in the Vedic books. And in the, in the Vedas, they will, they will tell you, well, here is what you need to know. Read it. And if you read it and you're not transformed by it, and it tells you who you are, well, then you need to cultivate your virtues. And the more virtuous you are as a person, the more likely you are to be transformed by this knowledge. And so here you had Augustinus, who got this message, became transformed, but then, due to the parasitic programming of the ego, found another way of cultivating his virtues. And for him, that transformation was different from the Stoics. It went through the heart, 
through love. And so that's why he's so love-centered. Super interesting. Because these are the same things that intuitively come up now. This is what I can feel inside of me. The same kinds of transformations that I'm sure thousands and thousands and thousands of people have gone through in so many different ways. Where you realize that some of the key knowledge is knowing who you are and then you need to find a way of transforming that and that is a transformation where you move away from the ego into the heart from the parasitic programming into programs that take over and work in a way that is opening to you that is uniting unifying so love is unity Love is being able to identify as one. So when you interact on a rational level with a person, that means that you're able to understand them. You're able to make sense of what you're talking about. You're able to take their perspective and see things from their point of view. And also on an emotional level, it means that you can feel what it's like for them. And you can empathize and you have a heart-centered way of interacting. That is where your values are. That is where your direction is. And when you're in that, then automatically you start moving into an all-win type of system where everybody will be winning where your curiosity just makes things so much more interesting you're basically moving into a flow state awakening is the culmination of flow so you're moving into this sense-making system where you interact with someone else And then you see, oh, this is what we have in common. This is so cool. And then you add something. And then they add something. And then you adapt to that. And you add something. And they adapt to that. And you add something. And you're growing. And you go into a system where both are winning at the same time. And you're both flowing. So this is a state of flow And you're both moving higher up in terms of how you feel as well. And in terms of what you're able to do as well. And in terms of opening up your heart. So we shall see. But this is definitely one of those times. The question is if this is just another one of those times. Or if, as argued before in other episodes, this is the time where not just St. Augustinus becomes enlightened and able to live in a magical way, but where we all move through that. Where most of us start to turn into the butterfly that we know it's possible to be. Because these times are different. These times are global. Our current technologies are so much more impactful 
and so much more hurtful for everything and everyone when they are not used in the best way possible. And so perhaps we are moving into this new way of being and it may be unique because it may be on a large scale and not just some individuals who happen to go through it all go through it because if we don't well then um, very very dark ages are upon us but I believe that there are many things showing us the way and that we are also moving in that direction, the direction of the butterfly and great, amazing transformation. So that was it for today. Some um, historical views regarding the ideas that tend to come up in our times. And I shall talk to you in another podcast. Take care.